You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. And welcome, folks, to Geekiest Show Ever, episode 184. We have a bit of a special episode for you tonight. Uh, Mr. Green Tree doing his usual, life's more important, I'm so <laughs> important, I can't I can't do the podcast, yada, 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 minus 10,000 geek points. That's just the way it goes. So one of my regular, our regular cohort, Mr. Mike McPeak, is here with us. How are you doing tonight, Michael? Oh, pretty good. Uh, we're uh, a few days away from the beginning of school. That starts next Monday. So it's our, this year hasn't been too bad, but it's our usual, you know, let's tie up the loose ends, make sure we have everything done. We got, we haven't forgotten something. The classrooms are clean. We don't want people coming in Monday morning and freaking out and going, why hasn't this been done? So it's just, we're tying up loose ends. But next week, I, we're back to the kind of the grind of school and, uh, you know, more of a schedule. This And, you know, that'll uh, kind of affect uh, the listeners won't hear as much, but for scheduling recordings, I'm going back to my two weeks of nights and then two weeks of days. So this will make recording just a tad more interesting with Mark having a life and me having a job. And so, you know, it'll, it'll make the podcast even more fun to do. But, um, you know, otherwise everything's going good. And I was going to say, uh, for me, this is kind of the crossing of the streams here uh, for podca- my podcasting world because I'll let Kevin do the introductions to our very special guest tonight. Yes, for, for people that don't realize it, uh, and I think everybody that does listen to the show, Mike also does another show called Sci-Fi Tech Talk. Well, coincidentally, tonight we have crossed the streams, and with us tonight we have the lovely Miss Julie Keel. How are you doing, Julie? I'm doing awesome. Yes. So we're like two-thirds sci-fi tech talk. I'm actually more the odd man out here. You make that sound like that's unusual or something. (laughs) Yeah, not really. Truly not. And then I drop into sci-fi tech mode, and then I'm thinking here, you know, uh, I said cross the streams, that's Ghostbusters. I don't know if we if we could make that fit in our podcast or not. Well, it's geeky. Well, oh, there you go. It's geeky sci-fi. I mean, <laughs> it, it fits right in there. I mean, I don't know what the problem is. So, And I'll apologize in advance. Mike and Julie already know this. I have some sort of bubonic plague or... Just my uh, allergies or something, I don't know. So every once in a while, I may have to hit the mute button and barf up a lung, and then I'll be right back, folks. As soon as I get the lung up, (laughs) I can push it back down, and we can continue on. So this is one of those times, again, that you you have to be glad that you're not seeing the video of what comes out. You really don't want to see that. So I mean, I don't want want to see anything come out, so let's just, you know. We'll, we'll We'll stay with that. Uh, and, and speaking of our listeners, I have to thank listener Jim. I actually got paid for our podcast, and I will I will divvy up the payment and I will send it. I got a large chocolate chip cookie, dude. If you're already <laughs> eating it, I don't want my share. No, no, no. I saved part of it. I say you know, and I and, and since Julie's on this week, I'll cut it into fours. Oh, I I'll, want all the chocolate chips. You guys can have the rest. Well, that's my fourth. These were like giant chocolate chunks. I mean, they were huge. I get all the chocolate. You guys can have the rest. Well, I'll eat around that part, and I'll send you. Oh, there you go. That'll work. <laughs> yeah, that's sanitary. Yeah, I'll do the uh, – Mike will get an ABC cookie and already been chewed. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. My my dentures are working well enough. I don't need pre, pre-chewed food. And then I'm thinking of the Saturday Night Live skit and going, ah. Yeah. Well, anyway. The worst part is you're going to get it already chewed. It's going to get chewed, and then it has to spend two weeks getting to Australia for Mark. So think about that. <laughs> oh, wow. 
Sounds like a lab experiment. It it very well it very well could be. Oh, talking about lab experiments, and this will we can talk. This is part of one subject. My uh, the kids down here. My kids have gone back to school, and they have science, and they're ha- they have to. One of the first things they have to do is learn the rules of the lab. You know what you do and don't do in the science lab. <laughs> so last night, my wife was going through and, and, and quizzing them on all the rules, and it came to what do you do if there's an, a fire. An injury or an explosion. I said, "Run like hell." <laughs> and my daughter says, "Dad, I can't answer that way on the test." <laughs> and then he said, like, "Don't don't lick or taste any of the stuff in the, in the lab, you know, unless otherwise instructed." What's the point? I know. I mean, you pour the blue and the green and hope for the best. <laughs> I mean, well, how you're supposed to learn. Yeah, yeah this is true. And uh, I've always wanted to, I should really just start a line of, uh, well, not all of them are original, but a line of T-shirts for me to wear at work there. And one of them would be something like, you know, if you ever see me running, please try to keep up, you know, something like that. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah. If the, if you, what's the old jokes is, uh, you don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. <laughs> I shouldn't even laugh because we actually started a high school lab on fire, what, a couple, three years ago. So yeah, stuff does happen. Please don't give them ideas. I don't want to have to deal with the fire. Uh, well, the, uh, my wife talked about when she was in high school, she said, uh, this one kid stuck a pencil in the Bunsen burner and it caught on fire and the teacher went off on him. He said, well, I didn't think you'd catch on fire. Well, it's yeah. made out of wood, you idiot. What do you think's going to happen? <laughs> the teacher just looked at him, and he just, he just, Patty said he could just not get it. He didn't understand what was, you know, he, um, perfectly normal. What was his grade in uh, in science class? <laughs> I don't think he did very well in that class that yeah, semester. I would say not. So, But it was it was interesting nonetheless. But, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, anyway. And uh, talking about going back to school, Julie has a little bit of expertise. And recently, you know, Mike <laughs> works in a school. I take the sewer that comes out of the schools. <laughs> Julie's actually been in school recently. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that, Julie? Yeah, I I had a just a mind-blowingly fabulous opportunity come up this spring, early summer. Um, I've been uh, working towards becoming a, a web developer for a couple of years, actually. You know, progressing along nicely, but um, always kind of complaining <laughs> that it's so damn hard to learn um, because there's so much and there's bits and pieces and here and there and whatever. And so finally, um, I remember one night I was going to sleep and, and checking Twitter and all of a sudden one of my, my Twitter friends um, sent out a tweet saying, hey, we're going to be teaching this WordPress course coming up, you know, don't forget to apply. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're teaching a web development course specific to WordPress. It's like, whoa, okay, this is, you know, where, you know, put your money where your mouth is type of thing, put up or shut up, because that is exactly what I had been, you know, saying was needed somewhere. So basically the next day I applied, that was a Friday night too, and I saw that tweet. Saturday morning I'm applying for the, the course. Monday I had an interview to get into the program. By Tuesday, I was in. By Thursday, I had—I believe I started a crowdfunding campaign because there's no way I could afford to go. This was in Omaha. I live in Fargo. 
um, or close enough. And so six-hour drive to get to Omaha, and it was going to go for three months. Um, so first off, I had to come up with tuition, and secondly, I basically had to move there for three months. Um, so um, put the crowdfunding campaign together, and I think in like 10 or like less than two weeks, it got fully funded. On top of that, I started searching for a place to stay while I was down there, and you know, Airbnb came up, and so I found a, an Airbnb place that was an entrepreneur house. And I'm like, oh, um, because I'm kind of familiar with the startup culture and community and th- stuff going on. And I'm like, so I pinged them and not and got in. They they were going to let me stay for the entire three months there when they had a program and I shared a house with five to seven other people, all of which were starting their own businesses, which is kind of what I was doing for web development, except I was also going to school and mm-hmm. and so. It was it was freaking awesome. <laughs> um, the, uh, the yeah, it was the 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 combined experience of going to the school and it was a small class of about ten people. It was at uh, being taught by a WordPress hosting company that's located in Omaha called Flywheel. Um, it was being coordinated through a, a school called Interface Web School. And so I was, you know, I was familiar with the flywheel people. There were 10 people in this class, every different kinds of backgrounds. We had people who were basically, you know, coming out of being from housewives to, um, I suppose I was probably one of the people with the strongest backgrounds in development. There was another guy there who was going to school for computer science in a broader sense than WordPress. Um, some designers, some, you know, writers and what, I mean, just a, just a huge background uh, variation in skill levels, So, which turned out to be really cool because um, everybody was looking at things in different ways and everybody could kind of help each other out in different areas. But yeah, F, uh, that went from April through June. Mm. And um, since I finished it, wow. Um, it, I, you know, I knew a lot of stuff going in, but I, there was just these little gaps. And if you'd asked me to identify what they were, I couldn't have done it. And if you ask me what I learned that made a difference, even now I'd still have a hard time, you know, identifying exactly what it was that I was missing. But I do know that I was working on projects when I started the course that were, I was struggling with. And by the time I finished the course, they were, they were easy. You know, so whatever little bits and pieces here and there where, you know, the connections, to me, the way I describe it, it's like somebody said, build a car, and they, you know, which means like learn web development, and they throw you a bunch of parts and pieces, and it's like, okay, I know this is a starter, okay, I understand how a starter works and what it does, and this over here are the pistons and the crankshaft and the camshaft, I get how those all work, and now with web development, you know, the thing is put it all together and make a car, you know, it's like, okay, I understand the crankshaft goes inside the engine block and connects to, you know, the valve lifters and all these other things. But, you know, I kind of forgot about the exhaust system. Oh, you need an exhaust system, you know, stuff like that. You know, so um, you, that was, I think that's just what happened with the, with the web development. It was just, you know, all these bits and pieces, and I was just missing little bits and here and there. And, and you know, getting a, finding a course that did it from beginning to end. We actually went through six programming languages in three months. Wow. On top of putting together a project uh, for a nonprofit. And plus, you know, I was working 
full time. You know, I I didn't slack up my usual workload while I was down there either. So it was a blast. I would do it again in a heartbeat. And I also see that they're offering. I just like two hours ago got a notice about yay come to our introductory session for the fall workshop so they are going to be doing it again so but yeah it was quite the adventure and um i yeah i'm so grateful to the people that contributed to that fundraiser there's no way i could have done it uh, without that um gonna have to be my turn in the barrel to pay back here soon (laughs) well that i mean I think that's wonderful. I mean, I know you and I have known each other for what four or five years now, or something like that. Well, probably. Yeah, and I know you've always messed around with it, and we, you and I, have talked at different times about that. So, but to actually be able to do that and get that kind of an opportunity is truly amazing. Yeah, and I hate to say life changing, but it kind of is because I actually started doing full time freelance work, uh, web development work, a couple years ago. At this point, really, Um, but you know. (laughs) always been feeling a, not, uh, insecure in that. Um, and so the the projects that I've turned down <laughs> since I've gotten back is a good sign of that things are, have gotten better. It's like, I'm not mm. doing those kind of projects anymore. I need projects yeah. that, you know... Um, pay um, so, <laughs> you know, you're one of those people that likes to eat and keep a roof over your head I, really, I don't expect much but a roof over my head and food on the table and you know i i have hopes of someday owning a car again but uh, yeah well and you know just for you know it, it, it for you to take that leap of faith and just basically you know throw everything and go down there and do that uh i mean you you like I said a couple of years ago cuz you know i remember you going through this where you quit your job and you're going to you know want to be your own your own person run your own business there and so that was a leap of faith and you know i think you were more than a little bit nervous when you did that uh, uh, pro- and probably totally unprepared um, and probably jumped way too soon, but you know sometimes you can't wait. So, mm. well, and sometimes you just have to, you know, sometimes you just have to do it because the right moment never quite comes along. Sometimes you just gotta do it. Yep. And and I've, if there's anything I've learned with web development, is it's like swimming. You can't read books. You have to do it. You know. So whether you you know do it for fun or do it for projects or do it for work. Um, you just got to keep doing it. So yeah. no, any, anything like that you do. Cause I can remember way, way back in the day when I was doing COBOL programming. Uh, and I, you know, I was fairly new and I could do the basics and things like that. Well, one day I became Johnny on the spot when the system shut down and I, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I figured it out. I mean, I sat there. I think I. it took me from about 4 o'clock to about one thirty or 2 o'clock the next morning. But I found the bug in the code. I fixed it, got it recompiled, and got it back up and got it running. But when you come across something like that, it's <laughs> that's that's a, a wake-up call. Yeah, yep, yep. Okay, like I say, occasionally I'd wind up in, essentially over my head on certain projects. And it's just like, man, I don't even know where to turn on these. So, Finally, with that course, I, I, I've, I've taken on things that are more complex than I was doing prior to that, and I'm not getting stuck. 
<laughs> so to me, that's a really good sign. Yeah, I don't have the answers, but I'm not getting stuck. Right. So. And there's always that magical moment because there's been times when I've uh, I remember even like when I was in grade school and I was struggling to learn something. And like I say you just you don't know exactly that piece that made it all fit. But when suddenly your eyes open and it goes. Oh yeah, now it makes sense. Why you know right. I kind of done this earlier, and it's that epiphany that you know that you everyone kind of yearns for that you can just go. Oh well, now yeah, I get it. So yep, and I think there was something. I mean, I'm a big fan of online learning. I mean, I think you can probably learn pretty much anything online under the right circumstances with the right setup and a good instructor and a good instructional design and whatever. But there is also something about uh, and in web development a lot of the online learning is simply here's a video here's a, a couple of exercises great you made it through great you're qualified i'm like no no i'm not no <laughs> just because i can follow the instructions and remember something that you told me 20 seconds ago and and regurgitate it does not mean i know what i'm doing um but there is something i think about the cohorts you know, going through an experience with classmates, I could argue you don't have to be on site to do that because um, I've had experiences, uh, other experiences where we were all taking the same class from various locations, but we were all classmates. We all had the same homework. We all had the same um, projects we were working on, the same lectures we were listening to, you know, all that kind of stuff. We, we were all at the same place so that when you asked a question, everybody kind of knew, had the same context to answer it or understand the, the question even. Um, whereas a lot of times when you do the online learning or, you know, like a lynda.com tutorial or something, it's like, great, you ask a question, everybody goes, what are you talking about, you know, as opposed to people in that same situation having that context to understand the question and help uh, provide an answer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And not to get too age, uh, new agey here, but there's also, when people are together, you have that energy and the vibe, and then once somebody picks up something, you can feed off each other. There's that communal interaction, the, the bonding, the growing, the, sh the shared information. There's just something about having people around that enhances the learning experience and just adds that extra little touch to it. Yeah, and you can also tell when people aren't getting it, you know. Sure, you went. Yeah, <laughs> you you go through the motions, and and it you know, and you can kind of, you you know if if you actually tested them, they might even pass the test because, like I say, it's pretty easy to game the system. You just repeat back what people told you. You know, I I've, fifteen minutes ago you went through this, and you asked me this question. Great, I can you know parrot back what you told me. Do I understand what I'm saying? No, you know. So mm, yeah. um, you can identify people that are are just. You know, they, they the words are coming out, but they don't have a clue. So, and catch that, I think. So, yeah, it was really good, and I'm so happy. I, I, I I'm very curious. Oh, um, let's see. I've been back. Well, not even. I guess it's getting close to two months now, um, and I can't say that I've gotten a lot of new jobs because of it, or a lot of like referrals or job opportunities or anything like that. But things have been coming steady and strong since then, and they've been good quality stuff. And I'll be curious a year from now what the difference has been making. You know, the 12 months prior to starting that versus the 12 months after. Yeah. I'll be real curious to see the difference. 
Yeah, and uh, I, I, it is rewarding to to go through something like that and then see the outcome, and and watch yourself grow. I guess yeah. is the best way to say it. So, yep. Um, I know I'm. I was extremely happy to hear about you getting the opportunity. Mm-hmm. I think it was just amazing, and uh, I encourage people to go out. Julie has uh, plug your website where they can go look at your stuff and. Oh, gosh. Let's see. I've got juliekeel.com, which is J-U-L-I-E-K-U-E-H-L.com, um, which is kind of what I consider my colleague-oriented website. Um, or my business website is straightforwardwebsolutions.com if you're looking for my services or portfolio. Um, so depend. I kind of got those going for two different audiences there. So, yeah, and I, I need to blog on both of them. I've been so negligent in blogging in the last few months. Uh, well, you did. The last piece I remember reading was that one you wrote when you and I were talking about the flooding. Oh boy! Remember you wrote that, was, that piece? Yeah, it was. The, that would have been. That's been a while back. For yeah, seriously, I had such great intentions of blogging every week. Um, you know about my experience <laughs> down in Omaha. I think I got one blog post out. It's like. Phew, between trying to keep up with school, the whole startup house thing going down, um, and then work stuff on top of it. And then, as you guys know, may, maybe everybody else doesn't, but yeah, I had a bit of a you know, domestic disaster going on back home. So I got a little distracted by that, too. Yeah, we were we were talking about that before the show started. Uh, yeah. Julie, Julie crossed over into my business a little bit. I did. Yeah, yeah. Just crossed over into my basement. Yeah, and, so and then the rest of the town's business crossed over into yeah. your basement. And and then the fun of uh, long distance home ownership when you're you're away and trying to deal. So yeah, like I said, I, well, you know, I I podcast with Julie, so I get all the stuff, and I watch the Twitter stuff, and so yeah, I knew it. Was for you? You were really, you. Know, I think you were getting pretty frazzled at different times. But you know, the the you sign of a. <laughs> well, yeah, but the sign of a true successful person is they'll you know, they'll take all the crap that comes at them and deals with it. So you know, you made it through the other end. So you know, there you go. <laughs> yeah, and actually, um, it's it's kind of been an interesting week. Um, this podcast is not supposed to be about me, but um, <laughs> it's geek stuff. Hey. Whatever. There you go. <laughs> I actually, I've had a cat for 16 years that um, I don't think I've ever liked. <laughs> and uh, we Poor cat. Uh, I know. Um, but see, we called her the evil kitty. We had this agreement where, you know, we fed her twice a day and she didn't kill us in our sleep. And um, she was getting to be old. I mean, she was, you know, not understanding what a litter box was for anymore. She was shedding hair everywhere. She was starting to get meaner than usual. And and finally, I just said, you know, it's time. So we, we finally put the cat down, uh, which meant that, you know, I could finally get the carpets cleaned, which meant that now the living room's empty. And, oh, my God, we need paint. Um, so... <laughs> So I've gone mm-hmm. into full blown home home ownership yeah. <laughs> routine here, and um, it's and what's interesting about that too. It is kind of tied to the whole Omaha thing because um, I couldn't do any of that until I got back from Omaha, and um, and the nice thing about it is that I'm able to do some of those things, um, knowing that I'll probably have you know be able to eat next week too. <laughs> so. 
Yeah, we, it's that whole yeah. thing eating and having a roof over your head. I know. Between yeah. the two, it's been pretty much all I can handle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, you kind of bring that up, and we had talked about, you know, this would be a good segue into our next section about, you know, you were traveling back and forth, and you, when you went to Mackenstock, um, uh, or Mackstock, I guess it was, in Chicago, which you did right after you got done with your Chicago <laughs> yeah. trip. I did. Yes. Yeah, the talk you did there was on being a digital nomad, and uh, I think you fine-tuned this to an art form. I always called you the digital hobo, but, you know. Yeah, I refer to myself as a vagabond. Um, (laughs) I had to look up all the different terms. We had bum, vagabond, tramp, I mean, all these different ones. I settled on on vagabond for some reason. But, yeah, basically, you know, between Omaha and everything else, I've done a lot of traveling to WordCamps. And I've gotten pretty um, adept at packing nothing. I mean, I, I, I seriously have I have a book bag, what most people would call a book bag, that was essentially my suitcase for three months. You know, the backpack that you're sending your kids back to school with uh. is basically what I lived out of for three months, including computer oh equipment. God. Oh, my God. So, yeah, so I kind of... <laughs> I kind of have the digital nomad thing down. Plus, you know, working out of coffee shops and McDonald's and those types of places. Well, and don't forget your form, your usual form of transportation. And the motorcycle. Yes, yeah, I actually yes. took that for a trip last week. That was awesome. Anyway, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, those of you who may have heard the Mac stock presentation, it is out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on video. It, it's on video yep. and stuff, yeah. I might know that I have a kind of a – I've had a, kind of this simmering crisis going on in my digital nomad lifestyle. Like I say, everything fits into my tiny backpack. And one of the reasons everything fits into my tiny backpack oh. is because half my stuff fits into my coat. <laughs> 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 and um, for those who don't know, I, it's a Harley leather you know, motorcycle jacket. That's starting to have wear problems. I, I know. Yeah, it's essentially a leather Scotty vest. Um, and so... <laughs> My first kind of low-simmering crisis was the fact that an iPhone 6 doesn't fit into the cell phone pocket that was sewn into this thing, you know, five years ago when I bought it. Um, it's like, ooh, okay, this is a problem. What am I going to do with a, you know, I can't get my phone in my pocket. So I still have an iPhone 5. And then well, through the course of Omaha and a couple of other things, um, some of the other pockets are starting to get holes in them. And I, I've... <laughs> um, took it for i mentioned i took the motorcycle for a business trip actually last week and found out the zipper isn't quite standing up to wind you know i drive right along and find out my zipper is starting to drop down um so maybe that's just a matter of changing the zipper pull but it's like man this coat's starting to show its age and i need to get a new one and i don't know so i actually tried living without my coat for about four days here and switched to like a purse and ain't gonna work um so (laughs) no this is like this is like superman without his cape it just doesn't seem right yeah I actually thought about getting a proper Scotty vest, too, and maybe putting that under the coat because, you know, then if it, everything would be in the Scotty vest pockets. That's still a possibility. But, man, I am so geared around having all my stuff in my coat pockets. It's, I mean, yeah, you're exactly right. It's like Batman without his utility belt. I don't know what I'd do. Yeah. That would, uh, I'd be lost without that. I mean, Mike and I have talked before about when we go to leave the house in the morning, how we pat ourselves down to make sure that we have all our crap. Yes. Matter of fact, matter of fact, okay, this is geeky stuff. I just had this revelation. I, the Apple watch, 
um, a lot of people have been, you know, just talking about, okay, what's the use case? What's the killer, you know, use case for the Apple Watch? It's kind of cool. The fitness tracking is kind of cool. The notifications are kind of cool. But every, now that I think about it, everybody I'd ever heard really talk about how they're using the Apple Watch has been male. My four-day experience with trying to use a purse is that's the killer app for an Apple Watch because when your phone is in your purse and it vibrates, you have no clue. <laughs> you, it's true. With an Apple Watch, you've got those vibrations happening on your wrist. Your, your phone can be in your purse, which you left you know, across the kitchen on the counter. And you know, I'm like, not a single male commentator has ever considered the fact that your phone might be in your purse and you might need notifications on your wrist. No, that's a good point. You know, I hadn't really thought in that case. And I, I guess too, because I got to the point I was getting so many notifications. I also turned off a lot of the crappy yeah. notifications uh, yep. on my phone too. But uh, I where was I today? Someplace I had left my phone on my desk and I'd gotten up to go someplace else in the building. And I just reached up into my shirt pocket. and I went, shit. I know. That it, it's not a good feeling mm -mm. when you can't find your phone. So I, it, oh. I, I hate myself for that. I well, really and, and, you know, I've kind of established the fact that, well, I'm a bit of a weirdo. And I don't know if Julie, uh, I think I had it on when you were here, but I have my little, uh, I call it my bat belt or whatever. My, I carry a couple, well, now I got a couple, but it's a uh, uh, little utility ga uh, gadget pouch is what it is. I'll drop the uh, link into here so you guys can see it. But I wear two of these, and, you know, I don't need – it's really not work-related. Well, I mean, it is in the fact that I like to have my stuff so that uh, I can listen to music if I want to sit down when I'm taking a break and watch a video. I've also – okay, and we've admitted on this – or I've admitted on this show I have a gadget problem. So when I go to leave uh, for work, I have my iPhone. I have my iPod Touch. I bought that Fire Phone that I'm using as a uh, iPod basically. Uh, I also have uh, two battery packs in there. I have a, uh, a retractable um, phone cable, um, charge, charging cable. Uh, what else do I have? in? Oh, I got my camera in there. Um, I mean, I got these things packed full of stuff. And so, yeah, I, you know, it's my own version of the digital nomad. I want my stuff with me. It makes me feel comfortable. It makes me feel happy, whatever. And like I say, I do like the photography thing. So I needed, I wanted to start carrying my camera with me. So like, you know, when a photograph happens, I can pull it out. Um, you know, Kevin wouldn't see it because he doesn't do that Facebook thing. But I updated my, uh, yeah, I know Kevin, don't have a uh, fit there. But uh, I updated my uh, Facebook profile because we went to eat at the Perkins restaurant. And as I sat down, I looked out the window of the car out there, and the angle was just right that they had this big American flag up there waving. And there's this perfect reflection of the flag in the window of the car there. So I had my camera with me. I could have done it with my cell phone, but I kind of like camera just for a little bit more control over things and stuff. So I pulled it out and I get this picture of, you know, the perfect reflection of the American flag in the hood of our car there. And, you know, I put that up there as my profile picture and I should maybe put it out there on Twitter and, you know, share it with other people or maybe even Instagram, which I do once in a while. But, you know, it's just that thing. I want to, if something happens, I want my stuff with me. I want my camera. I want my cell phone because that's the connection to the internet. Um, you know, because sometimes I want to look up IDB, uh, IMDB. You know, we may be having discussion at work about something. Pull it up and look up some information. Google something. Uh, like say, I want to be able to listen to my music, my podcast, watch a you know video or something with the Fire Phone. Uh, I can put uh, Kindle books on there. So if I have a few minutes, I can pull that up. I just want you know take 
my my digital life with me and have it there. So, uh, you know, if you do something, you, you know, you have some weird time or something, or if I'm sitting at uh, uh, the Hy-Vee grocery store and waiting for Deb to get done shopping, I can pull out something and read a book or, you know, peruse something. I just want to, you know, it, and if I could had the money, I would probably also get a, a hotspot of some sort and put in there so I would have the internet with me all the time. That's probably the only missing piece, and that's just because of missing funds. But just to, <laughs> the, to be connected, you know, I guess if we ever get to the point where we can start doing implants, like, you know, some of the science fiction movies we've seen, yeah, go ahead, sign me up. Where's the sheet? You know, start putting, you know, implants in me. I want the, you know, the little optical thing that you can just scroll through information. And you're more importantly, I can't remember people's names, so I want, like, uh, <laughs> <That's it. laughs> yeah, so I, I want face recognition. So when I'm talking to somebody, oh, that's this person. I've met him here. Oh, okay, yes, I don't look like such a putz when I'm right. talking to somebody and don't know who they are. But, you know, that's, you know, my version of, uh, you know, my digital nomad or, you know, my, taking my digital lifestyle with me. And so, like I say, and, you know, you had a pretty good talk. I did, you know, watch it. And that's a good talk about how you, all the considerations that you have to make while you're you're doing this. And like you say, you really have to think about what do I need? What do I want? What do I have to have to accomplish everything? And you have to give it some thought. Yeah. And that's just it, too. I think you have to give it some thought. You can't just... Especially when you when you trim down to a tiny little bag like I have, you have to be deliberate about everything. You know, you, those things that are in there are there for a reason. And there's very little in my bag that's excess. I have too many pens, <laughs> but I'm you know whatever. But um, you know, you have to make choices: what's in and what's out. And sometimes you have to leave out stuff that you really could use, but that's just you know limited space. That's the the hard reality of it. Yeah, no, I, I, you, you two talk about that, and then I think about the bag I carry to work. I literally carry something that's titled the bag of holding. Yep. I got it off ThinkGeek. Yep. Uh, and that's what I have my, my laptop for work. I have my uh, one iPad I take to work. Then I have chargers for everything that's in there. I have my mobile hotspot that I carry around the pay-as-you-go hotspot that I have. Um, and then I have... I've learned over the years since I commute so far that, you know, an extra pair of socks and, you know, maybe some deodorant in case I'm like, whoa, what the hell's going on there today? You know, mm-hmm. you know, little extra things like that. And then, of course, my coworkers really laugh at me because I have an emergency tie because I wear a shirt and tie to work every day. So I have one tie that goes with almost anything I own. <laughs> It's just a dark blue tie with this little teeny tiny computers. You have to really look hard to see that there are computers on it. But it'll, you know, a dark blue tie will go with just about anything. So yep. I do that, and then I have uh, both cell phones and my iPod in my uh, in my uh, breast pocket on my shirt, and I'm off to work as I go. So I mean, yep. I just unlike Julie though, I'm not living out of <laughs> it. I I do get to come back home in the evening and yep. drop all my shit. So. Yeah, and I like making up kits because I got this in my backpack that I take to school, and I I'll take it anywhere where I travel. But I got a retractable, like when you go to a motel, a retractable uh, network cable, uh, 
and I got a travel router in here because sometimes hotel Wi-Fi is crap, but if they have a wired connection in there, you can plug the USB router in, which also doubles as a charger, and you can plug a USB device in there if you want to share files or something from it. Uh, so I've got that, so you connect that way. I got uh, extra charging cable. This is a multi-purpose one. It's got the still the old iPod 30 pin, the lightning connector, and a micro USB port, which will cover about 95% of new electronics. So I got that in there. Over on the side, I got a few extra cables for plugging in. I think I got a charging block or two in there. Uh, yeah, like I say, a couple extra cables over there. Um, what do I have over here? Oh, some uh, different connectors. So micro USB to USB adapters because I have, we've talked about it, my Windows uh, HP uh, tablet that I got in here that, uh, the, or, yeah, the HP Stream tablet. I've got that in here. And, again, that's a little kit because I've got a little foldable Bluetooth keyboard here. I've got... Um, a uh, little Bluetooth mouse that I keep in there because to try and use that little touch screen on a seven inch tablet is just, you know, hell sometimes. And it's running basically a full, you know, interface version of Windows there, trying to hit the little X up there. You hit lots of other things. So I got to, yes, I got a Bluetooth mouse in there. Again, I got a charger, um, you know, just ba the basic things that I need or I think I need anyway to, you know, get me through the day. And like I said, I got it in the form of a kit. So like if we uh, go to, if we do travel, I can grab this one here and it's my, you know, my charging kit and connection yep. kit. And, and it's just, you know, kind of ca categorize things and just have them ready to go. Yeah. Even when I was uh, traveling with suitcases, <laughs> I think actually, I think the reason I started um, going so lightweight was because of freaking airlines. Um, you know, they charge you 25 bucks to check a suitcase. And my suitcase is not carry-on size, um, so I have to check it if I take it. So I just, it's like, screw that. I'm just going to not take one. So I, I, my, and my backpack actually fits under the seat in front of me, so I don't even have to worry about overhead bins. Um, but back when I was doing the suitcase thing, pencil cases, you know, the, speaking of back to school, the pencil cases you can find for that are meant for kids are great for all of those cables and tiny little gadgets and stuff. And I would just, I would fill that full of all the stuff and I would just throw mm. that whole pencil case in the suitcase and not even think twice about it. Yeah. Well, I, toy tins. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's good too. I actually here at my desk, I have my, uh, uh, for lack of a better thing, all my fine like jewelry grade screwdrivers and Torx head and all that kind of stuff that you can work. I have that in an old pencil case that uh, the kids didn't want to use anymore. I said, oh, nope, give it to Dad. And I filled it yeah. full of all these screwdrivers and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah, and see, this is nice because uh, we have a, a hardware chain in the Midwest called Menards. And so one of their little things that they keep people there because their customer service sucks uh, is they give out these little prizes. And so, or, or you know, uh, for your birthday, you'll get stuff. And so this is a nice little case. It's got... Uh, uh, your Phillips and your flatheads and your little Torx uh, heads in there. And it also has a little ring that you can put on so you have a little flashlight and a little handle there. And like I say, that was a birthday gift. But uh, they do give decent little, because I got two of these and then a little exacto knife set. And they do have some pretty, uh, sometimes some pretty neat little birthday presents. But like I say, again, that's a nice little kit. Uh, so if I do want to work on something, it's just here, and I open it up, and I have all the, the tools there. I'm, I'm kind of a fan of kits, I guess. So The one thing I wish uh, that, that I might add to my 
short list of things that I actually take with me. Um, when I travel to hotel rooms, is an HDMI cable. It, it's yeah. so cool to hook it up to the TV and just watch, you know, Netflix or iTunes or whatever. Yeah, our last trip, I took, uh, I actually took the uh, Roku with me, my Roku, because you know it's really small and all that. And then I had a bunch of video and stuff that I had on uh, a USB, which I can just plug the USB into the Roku. And, you know, the satellite was okay where we stayed, but, hey, you know, I could watch anything I wanted. I just put on the Roku and pick what you want. Here it is. Here's our movie collection. So I'm... I'm 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 not normal. Um, <laughs> duh. Yeah. That's why you and I get along so well together. <laughs> but uh, I I don't mind watching movies on my iPad actually. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Did setting getting the tr- one of the things. Speaking of digital nomad, that's one of the things that you don't think about when you're at home either. You got to find Wi-Fi that's fast enough and will give you enough capacity to actually download movies to your iPad. Yeah. It's like, well, you know, sometimes it uh, just things that you take for granted at home, it's, you've got to wind up, you know, trying to yep. manage on the road. Well, that's why that's I, I talked like last year, I talked about that thing. I bought the Kingston mobile light. It's a, it's like a mini hub, but you can plug USB drives or cause we all know I have a problem with USB drives. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. Don't get me excited now, Mike. The, uh, the, uh, but that and SD cards. So I have like a uh, hundred gigs of storage plugged into this thing, and it creates its own little mini network. So that way, I don't have to worry about downloading stuff. I can just stream the stuff to the iPad. When we were traveling last year, all the kids had iPads. They, there was no arguing over. I want to watch this movie. No, I want to watch that. Movie. No. Yep. All three of well, them. Watch whatever the hell you want. <laughs> yep, yep. That's why I got this. It's a, a, and I think I mentioned it on here, but it's a Hutu uh, travel router. It's got two USB ports on here, so you use it for charging. Or you can plug in a uh, jump drive or an external hard drive. It'll power that. And you also plug your network cable in here, so that this can be your your um, your travel router. So if you get hooked into a wired uh, internet in the hotel, which is probably better than the Wi-Fi, you can do it. And like I said, I like multi-purpose devices. They have their pluses, their minuses. You try to do two too many things and they don't all work so well but this is you know one good little device it'll charge it'll do you know travel router you can plug it and it, you can hook up the five devices so you know if you do have a family and you know you have a, a hard drive on there with different movies that they could all watch give them all headphones go to tell them to go to opposite corners of the room shut up and leave you alone um, <laughs> i have a family so yes i know um but, you know, I like, you know, and sometimes you just got to look for those devices. And I dropped a link in there. You know, Julie, you said you want an HDMI cable. I'm kinda, I am kind of I kind of like the, the retractable stuff. So I found one on Amazon there, which is a retractable HDMI cable uh, four and a quarter feet long. So, I mean, depending upon how long you need it. But, you know, it'll go uh, into a nice compact little package. You don't have to try and fold up an HDMI cable and store it. Right. Um, 
And sometimes you just got to find those kind of little devices. And I'm always hunting. Again, I, I admit, I, hi, I'm Mike, and I'm a gadget addict. So um, <laughs> I'm always finding that stuff out there. Like I say, again, and my other problem is I'm, an, uh, uh, I'm on the Amazon crack, so I'm always there looking for things. I, I find all these neat little things. That, you know, you can, it's small, compact. You can fit in there. I can fit it in my, you know, my, my go, to-go pouches there and everything. And so I think if you do look around and, you know, like you know, Julie said, give it some thought. To figure out what you really need. Uh, you know, you'll pay some for this stuff, but the convenience of being able to have the stuff you need in a compact form, you can make this stuff work. Uh, and hopefully, as things go along, it'll get even better. But you know, you can get things so that um, you can uh, shrink things down, and be able to take lots of stuff with you. You know, I, when I think about Julie and how much of an expert she's become at traveling light, I think about uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the tiny house movement. Yeah. Yep. And, I, and, you know, how people have pared down and they're living in 120 square feet. Uh, my claustrophobia is maybe a little too bad. I don't know that I could do 120 square feet, uh, especially with five people in the family. I think that would get a little too much. And I do like to have running water in my toilet. The composting toilet does not appeal to me at all. So. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen some. I'm not in person. I'd like to see a tiny house in person. I've seen some of the uh, videos, I guess, of them. I can't even say I've seen a show with them on. But I, it, it's the kind of thing that I would love to try. But long ter- term, I mean, we've. Had, I, I've, there's a time when we thought about. Um, well, everything from living in a minivan to uh, getting an RV, and um, even there, when you, when that's your home, there's a difference between being a nomad where you go back and you, you know, you've got a place where your stuff is, yeah. versus you have no stuff. You know, yeah. um, th- that's a that's a different leap. That's yeah. a completely different leap. Yeah, that that would be, and that's why, you know, while I, the idea appeals to me and it's interesting, I don't think I could ever quite pull that off. I won't say I would never do it, and yeah. I don't like to say never, but, I, you know, I just, I, I the, and I, the fact of having to crawl up a ladder to go to bed at night and stuff like that, that part does not appeal to me. I wanted, I just want to fall over and go to sleep. I don't, yeah. I, I, the crawling up a ladder to go to bed stuff that passed me forty years ago. I got over it then. So, yeah. well, and you see the the idea of a of one of those tiny houses had that appealed to me because we wouldn't get rid of this house. But uh, I think I mentioned it here before. Um, uh, my family we uh, own the farm south of town here, and I have toyed. There's the old farmhouse there, but it's an old farmhouse. It's falling apart and everything, and we just need to get rid of it. But I have toyed with the idea of building a, a tiny house there because the other kids would like to come home and you know revisit their roots and go back and take a walk on the farm and just to build something there because we don't need a lot of space. You just need a, a roof and some you know, basic amenities, and something like that had appealed to me because it would be small. I uh, wouldn't have to maintain a lot. It wouldn't cost a lot to build, and but you'd have everything there for an overnight, or if you want to spend a week or something. See, that's that would be awesome because around here everybody goes to the lakes, uh, about mm-hmm. forty-five minutes to the east of the Red River Valley. You know, eastern edge of North Dakota is what's known as lakes country in Minnesota, and it's extremely common for people to have a lake cabin in addition to their house in town. I have no interest in a lake cabin because to me it sounds like just twice the work. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but a tiny house out there, now that could be 
yeah, again, I've got my stuff in a, you know, place. Um, and, and the tiny house, as far as, you know, a, a weekend cabin or someplace where you go for even three months out of the year, sure. As the only place that, you, speaking of gadgets, oh. <laughs> um, the gadgets that they have to make those things work, you know, storage contraptions yeah. and stuff are just amazing. But, yeah, yeah. One thing it's, that'll serve four purposes, you know, it's your, yeah. it's it's a sofa, it's a guest bed, it's uh, the banquet for your table, yeah. yeah, and and storage, you know. So it's, yeah. and that's that's the part that truly amazes me because the cabin thing too is something I keep toying with the idea about. Again, we don't have the lakes around here like you do, but we have mountains, and I love to go up into the mountains, and I'd love to find a little piece of land someplace and just put up a basic little two-bedroom cabin, you know, with just the really bare minimum of stuff, running water, again, I am hep on the running water, um, electricity, doesn't even have to have internet, I'm okay if we don't have, you know, internet service, because I'm, there's enough cellular saturation around here that I could, oh, okay. I could get, that's it. internet service, yeah. yeah, yeah, not hardwired like we're on right now, okay. so, yeah. so, you know, someplace that I could just retreat to, or take the family and retreat to, and not have to deal with all the crap and stuff like that. That that appeals to me. But again, it wouldn't be a tiny house. We're talking something that's yeah. probably a thousand square, square feet, feet. between <laughs> right. seven hundred and a thousand square feet. But again, five people you don't really want to cram into no. a really small space. No, with a tiny house, each person gets their own tiny house. Yeah, <laughs> a little mm-hmm. tiny complex. Yes, yeah. a tiny tiny compound, there tiny village. Yeah, then we well, have to worry about the militia thing and all that. We don't want to. Oh, yeah. No, no. <laughs> well, then I'm just sitting here wondering why, and maybe they have, and I'm just not aware of it, why some developer hasn't, you know, taken the kind of the tiny house concept. You know, you were talking about lake cabins. Why not set up, you know, because lake cabins are expensive, and for the amount of time that people spend there, yeah, they would like a certain amount of room. But still, if you did the tiny house thing, for the people that go on the weekends or maybe spend a week there, it would be more affordable, and you'd you know, you'd have to do some thinking to make it work. But to me, it seems like that would be a good idea for developers, uh, for those people who can't afford a full-blown lake cabin. Here's this you know, alternative. That makes too much sense, but uh, developers are in it for the money. So, <laughs> well, but you subdivide though. I mean, you yeah. you know, more more people, more bucks. So, actually, actually, there is one I have seen online, and I'm trying to remember. It's in the southeastern part of the country. It's either like Georgia, or I think I've heard of one near Denver too. Yeah, where they've got like their their miniature versions of the uh, Louisiana uh, or New Orleans. Um, Shotgun shacks is what they look like, and they're about 225 or maybe 250 square foot little homes. They're not quite tiny homes, I guess, in the truest sense, but they're uh, there are they are little homes, and there is uh, they've done it in a couple places, and I just can't for the life of me remember where it is. If I can find the video link that shows the guy taking a video panning the street. You know, he, he doesn't have to move the camera very far, and you see, like, 12 houses. So it's like, yeah, it's... They've, it's, they've actually been toying with that, too, for homeless folks up in uh, Washington, I believe. Um, yeah, where basically they build their own tiny house. And, and you know, basically it's sweat equity in this tiny house, but you build your tiny house and it, it is a it's a village of tiny houses 
Um, and then, all, which also has some community amenities like, you know, a dining room or, you know, like a party or just, you know, some, some other larger type of things like that, that everybody shares. But it's an interesting, I don't want to quite call it a solution, but approach to, you know, the homeless challenge. It's a, so yeah. It's a step. Because I yeah. think if you can get them in a home and get them kind of stable, and once you get a lot, a lot of these people, if you give them a stable environment, so then they can get on their feet and start building, it would certainly, you know, it would be a step in the right direction. And then from there, hopefully, they can build on that and you know pull themselves right. up the ladder. Especially since they're living in cardboard boxes. I mean, they're doing what they can to. I mean, some actually have somewhat sheds that they've built. You know, a few pieces of discarded plywood, and you know they're mm. kind of cobbling together. Well, make it an actual. Give them the supplies and and make an well, actual home out of it, and you know, and go from there. Well, and like I say, the sweat equity part. I think some of these people, you know, I think they need to believe in themselves, and so if they do that, you have somebody you know help them, but they do it themselves, and they start to realize that hey, I can do these things, I can better my life. I think it, it might be the first step in helping them, you know, along the way. Because some people just need a confidence boost, and that would be one, you know, good way to do it. Yeah, it's, it's more like a hand up instead of a hand mm-hmm. out. Yeah. the way I always look at it. And the, the thing that they're playing off of there, too, is the fact that ownership can always make a big difference, you know. Mm-hmm. If yeah. something's yours, you tend to want to take care of it. You know? Well, yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing with Habitat for Humanities mm-hmm. and the way that works. So I, I, I think it is a good idea. It would be kind of cool, but... Yeah, that would, you know, and, and, you know, Julie could hit one, and then she could actually be a little digital nomad as she traveled. <laughs> I'm trying to think how well your Harley's going to pull the the trailer <laughs> behind. You know, funny you mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> we had this discussion the other night with some motorcycle. I saw, I saw a Ural sidecar yesterday. Uh, it was awesome. But um, they got going on the whole, you know, what would it take? There, There is somebody... I've seen, I don't know, for lack of a better term, I'm just going to call it a teardrop trailer. And it kind of just unfolds into essentially like a bed um, and not much more. And (laughs) uh, maybe, you know, just a tiny bit of storage for a few groceries or whatever, which would fit behind a motorcycle. And I'm like, hmm, hmm. (laughs) I have actually seen one of those going down the interstate. I have seen it. I was like, "Wow!" And, you know, because they have the little kitchen on the front of it. It's it's yes. like an outdoor kitchen. Yep. But oh, and the back just kind of opens up. It's a place enough to crawl in. Maybe two people could sleep in it, possibly. Yep. yep. So. It's it's like it's to me. It's like a tent on wheels. I mean, seriously, it's like a it's a Boy Scout camp kitchen. You know, the yep. box with fold out sides, and then like you say, a two person. Big enough to fit two people snugly um, with their sleeping bags, and that's about it. Well, I think that's your next uh, crowdsource funding, Julie. Is <laughs> there you go. There you go. And we can we can have Julie the digital uh, Harley nomad. Then we can we can step it up. I think. And then you actually, can... I'll give the Harley a lot of credit for for building those skills. I actually, way back when I used to do backpacking, so I kind of learned a, a bit back then. But um, having to get everything on the back of a tiny motorcycle, um, that'll that'll get you. Paring down quite a bit too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. I mean, when if all you have is maybe even just the saddlebags on the on the. I don't bike. have saddlebags. Oh lord! <laughs> I don't even have those. <laughs> I oh have wow! One bag that goes on the bike, and that's it. 
Well, and the guy that I work with, uh, one of the custodians there, he went out to Sturgis, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and his crisis was that his saddlebags are starting to tear on him, mm-hmm. uh, and so he, he stopped at his dad's on the way out there. I think he took his dad's motorcycle with the the saddlebags on, but yeah, that's like a given because it was him and his wife, and you need to be able to carry stuff. And what there was, uh, I think it was one of the hooks on there was starting to tear loose, and you just didn't want like flopping open and leave your uh, stuff along South Dakota Highway there. Yeah, you want to see your, your under drawers just floating down behind you. Oh, dear. Somebody well, actually, no, knowing my co-worker, I would actually find this quite funny and amusing. Saying, but, yes. uh, yeah, don't want anybody to see you get those minions on your under roos there. <laughs> Run them up the flagpole. Right the big Harley got little minions on your underwear. Yes, hey, just, hey. <laughs> it's TMI, okay. TMI. Yeah, well, we won't go down that road. <laughs> no, nope. <laughs> well, t- yeah, that that might be TMI for the listeners. So, yeah, we won't go there. You know, we and we were talking about back to school. It's interesting. Uh, my kids started back to school this week, and they were issued Chromebooks. Really? On the second, yeah, the school the school system provides them with Chromebooks. They even provide them with a little case to carry them back before you know, like a little. Uh, mini, it's a nice little bag. It's real hard. I, I, I'll have to look at the name of it. Uh, but then they also put a um, shell on the outside of the Chromebooks. Mm-hmm. And they told all the kids to personalize them. Nice! So, yeah, so oh. my, son, my son's big into the game Skylanders. Yep. Mm-hmm. So he covered it in Skylander stickers and all this stuff. And then uh, my daughter loves the uh, 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 the duct tape that's, you know, the the fancy duct tape, the colors and the pattern. Yeah. So she did hers all up with that and all that. You know, it's just... That's brilliant because, yeah, mm-hmm. my, my computer is like that too because the places I go are often developer gatherings and everybody's got a MacBook, right? And all the MacBooks <laughs> look the same. So you put stickers on your machine to... You know, so you can find your machine. Um, but I have not yet learned the lesson that I need to, to buy a case to put the stickers on because um, I have, as a matter of fact, I have a spare computer now that I should probably sell, but now I have to peel all my stickers off. And I kind of like those stickers because they're like <laughs> sentimental and all this mm. stuff. And I don't know how I'm going to deal with that. So, yeah, so the idea of a case before decorating mm. is a hell of a good idea. Yeah, they have like it's a kind of a not like a clear, but it's kind of a translucent spec. Uh, it's a spec yeah, case, probably. Yeah. No, it's some off brand. I don't know. It's some, whatever the school paid for. Yeah, yeah whatever wow. the school system paid for. <laughs> but it's it's pretty cool. They're uh, but they're in seventh grade. They actually had them last year, but they didn't get to bring them home. And it was just kind of you got one at the beginning of the day, and then you put it back. Mm. Um, but now they've been issued to them, and hmm. uh, I just know how that goes. That sounds yeah, like an experiment. They're basically, they're, and they'll carry them now for the rest of their time they're in the school system, mm-hmm. uh, for the next mm-hmm. five years in the school yep. system. So I mean, that, now they'll renew them after so many years. I forget when they get. Do they, yeah, did is it? Do they keep the same book the, for the whole five years, same machine. Uh, I don't know if they'll keep the same one or not. I mean, they have serial numbers. So I, they may reissue them the same one. I mean, we'll be curious to see next year. Last year, they didn't always get the same one. Um, and it, last year was the first year for the program, and that's why they weren't sending them home. But now this year, they're sending them home with the kids. 
So, and we had to set up a charging station because they said, you take them home and you're responsible for um, making sure they're charged for the next day. Because right. they yep. don't give them any textbooks at all anymore. Mm-hmm. All their, oh, that'd be awesome. All, all their books are uh, either digital or whatever stuff the teachers uh, photocopy right. and, right. Um, and give handout like that. So, Right. Well, and... And what well, Clark's been doing that. Our high school has been doing that. And we're, you know, a small high school, like I think 200 kids or something. But they've had a, uh, for the last, I think, four or five years, they, uh, all the kids get uh, laptops or Windows laptops. They started out with the little, uh, the little uh, netbooks, which was, you know, cheap and inexpensive. And it worked. It wasn't the best thing. Now they've kind of gone to bigger Lenovo, uh, you know, uh, notebooks. Uh, but every kid has their own laptop. They turn it in every uh, at the end of the school year, but I think they get the same ones back. But the tech coordinator has to go and re-image them and take the stuff off and make sure that they're all working and everything. And, and I talked to her because, um, you know, me being a nerd, I'm curious to see how this stuff goes. And I've been kind of surprised. I thought there would be a few kids that, you know, and there was a few kids that uh, left, don't leave them out in South Dakota winters because, you know, sub-zero weathers and LCD screens are not the best in the things uh, to do. Um, not a good mixture. Have, no, it's not. And so there's been a, a kid or two that's done that. And there was one that uh, he put the, his car in the drink, in the in the slough, and <laughs> so his computer got a little wet. That was a whole other explanation. But anyway, there's a few things. But for the most part, even those netbooks, and these were uh, Acer um, netbooks. They they've held up fairly well because she's handed them down now. They uh, the, um, those older ones I think are now down maybe at the elementary. They've worked their way down there, and so they have. It's not every kid in the elementary has one, but each classroom has seven or eight of them down there, and she's still using them. She's getting her money's worth out of there. But the the Chromebook idea to me is kind of interesting because, like I say, she's had to get them back every summer, reimage them, and do all that stuff. With a Chromebook, basically your image lives on the server. Well, you can uh, power you run the power wash thing on the Chromebook, and boom, it's reset. Yeah, and so that would be kind of interesting because you know the thing is, if some one of the teachers wants some you know special piece of software put on there for a class that they're doing, you'd have to bring them all in, and she'd have to put them all on there or have it on the image before they you know uh, released them. This way, you could just add it to the server, and boom, it's there. You know, uh, for whoever needs it. So, and you know, there's downsides to that though too because I know that the Chromebooks have some capability for. Um, offline capabilities if you don't have I don't know how much they have but uh, yeah I don't know I know the kids will complain when uh, the school's internet connection or the Wi-Fi I should say goes down and they're going what the hell are we gonna do yeah and they don't say that you know they're trying <laughs> yes, to they do no they don't not my children they'd never cuss like their father <laughs> um, you know what are we gonna do now and all that and, and the school system actually has a long-term plan to start issuing them to third graders there's they started with uh, sixth graders and they're expanding up and then they're going to start expanding down so that eventually all the way down to third graders they will have these things and use them all the way up through school so and their acer chromebooks is what they were giving i think they were the uh they look like i didn't look at the model number and i didn't want to take the case off and i couldn't read through the case but i think it's like a you know it's the like the 190 dollar 200 dollar model mm-hmm. so i mean it's not a cheap investment but it's not a real expensive investment no. well textbooks can be 80 bucks a pop yeah. so yeah, yeah. 150 yeah, yeah. You know. uh, you're yeah. talking to the 
and you're talking to the guys kind of schlep the textbooks around right. uh, when we clean out the rooms. Yes, I'm all for, although there's advantages and disadvantages, because sometimes you do just like a physical book that you can flip between pages. There is something to be said for physical, but, you know, from just the, the, the dead tree standpoint and the fact, you know, and carrying these things around, then they have to be surplus because we've gone through that this year. And I get kind of, I, I nag people because, okay, we've declared them surplus. Well, then their natural tendency is, well, let's just put them back here in case we need them again well they'll sit there for 10 years and we have to work around the stupid things so i've kind of gotten to the point where okay we declared them surplus let's do something with them because they have tried they did have somebody come around to buy you know the old textbooks and took like 10 and we have like 90 to get rid of um and so you know you have to deal with that so i do like the the electronic textbooks the ebooks whatever that you can you know they can be updated easily you don't have to like republish you know when you know Facts change or whatever, or you need to update something or add something. Or planets uh, so are no longer planets. Or... Yeah, <laughs> or Pluto. Um, but you know, so it's easier to do that. And then, and I've have uh, I've lifted some of these backpacks that the kids have at school. I move stuff for a living, and I go, oh my god. You know, why do these kids not look like U's, you know, U-shape walking down the hall? And some of them, you know, and some of those little girls are like, mm-hmm. you know, and they're, the backpack is as big as air because you got all those textbooks and everything else in there. So I think just for their uh, physical health, uh, getting rid of a certain amount of textbooks, maybe not all of them, but a certain amount of them would certainly help, you know, <laughs> strains and injuries. So there's pluses all around. Yeah, they, um, uh, the kids are, you know, they're, they're happy about it. The only thing I'm not sure if they want to put it on my network here at the house. I'm going, mm, I don't know if I really like that idea. <laughs> but I think I'll well, set up a different segment on my network and put them over on that. Because so. I don't know what well, the school's doing, and I don't want the school to have access to uh, my well, Wi-Fi password and all that. Well, yeah. and, so. and you mentioned that, and you know, we had our in-service for school. We sit in on part of it. Uh, you know, We're just we're the the classified staff. I always like to explain we have certified class and classified staff at school. Uh, we're classified because when they fire our butts, they just put a dad in the classified and they replace us. Whereas, <laughs> the certif- whereas the certified staff are probably certifiably insane and so you know that's how I differentiate the two. But anyway, we got to sit in a part of the in-service and they were discussing things about um, they told the teachers that if they issue a um, you know, do have require the kids to do something on the internet, and the kids don't have internet access at home. They are not required to do that assignment, so they kind of have to make sure that um, you know either the make sure the kids have uh, internet or they don't uh, or you know don't issue them something to do that they aren't able to do at home. They have to either be able to do it at home. So they, they so a lot of the kids are probably going, hey, can we get rid of the internet? They don't have to do any homework. No, kids, it does not work that way. <laughs> yeah, now they, um, the, that question was asked uh, <laughs> by a couple parents. There's, you know, they're saying, uh, we don't have the internet. And, and, you know, the school officials are, what do you mean? Well, there are parts of the county, even though mm-hmm. I live in a, uh, I live in one portion of the county that's fairly developed. You don't have to go very far and you get into a mm-hmm. rural part of the county there's no such thing as high speed internet in that part of the county. You might you can get Wi Fi, but I mean that would cost you a small fortune to right. use a, a, a Wi Fi or something like that. I mean I know people that do mm-hmm. that, but you know it would cost a little fortune. And then they well then they say oh just take them to a public library. You know you get free. You internet. can't do that every day. 
No, I, no. if both parents were I have were been working, there. Hey, digital nomad, let me tell you. <laughs> I know. Uh, I've gained 15 pounds trying to take Wi-Fi off of, <laughs> off of coffee shops because, you know, when you go to a coffee shop, you've got to buy shit, right? So, yeah, no, that doesn't work. Yeah, no, so... Uh, they finally settled on, well, if there's something like that, then the teacher has to hand them a DVD or something like that. Right. Because, I mean, there's, you know, two parents working, they just, yep. it doesn't work. Nope. It doesn't work, no. And, and what we started when we first started issuing the laptops up there was we had the, uh, the commons open and the kids could come in. I think it, when we started, we had it open till 9 o'clock. And it would be open from like about six thirty seven o'clock in the morning. So they could come there before or after school if they needed to sit down and do stuff. Now I think we've kind of scaled that back because most people in town have – you know, or most people in the school district, even out in the country, the rural comp- uh, telephone company has been pretty good about laying fiber out there or fiber loops so you can get access to it. So most people, you know, have access. And, you know, there may be a, a, a handful, and I think probably a very small handful that don't have something. So they'll, they'll work around that. But uh, I think, you know, we've been doing this for, I want to say, five or six years. And I, uh, from what I can see, for the most part, it works pretty good. I've talked to some of the teachers. I've talked to the tech coordinators. And, you know, I really haven't heard too much, too many complaints. I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a nerd. I keep track of things. And so uh, I think the amount of trash that I haul out at night has gone down because I think when I first started, and maybe part of it might be a, a slight decline in uh, school population. But when I first started that job 11 years ago, I was hauling out like three tra- uh, trash cans of garbage at night. Now I'm down to two because I think just not so much paper because if you can have the kids you know do their stuff online you don't need to be printing the handouts you don't need to be doing that so i think i've seen a slight decrease in just the amount of waste going out the back door which makes my back a little bit happier but you know i think there's just different aspects that makes it interesting speaks a lot to how dependent we are on internet access i mean it 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 is i you know whether or not it's a public utility can be kind of a hot-button political issue. But, I mean, seriously, we just said that it's required for schools. It's right up there with running water and electricity, mm-hmm. actually, at this point. It really is, between medicine and education and emergency use. I mean, even I sat here today and filled out uh, federal student aid stuff with my, my kid. I mean, the fact that we were able to do that at the kitchen table mm-hmm. in an hour... And we had to get it done. I mean, he starts school on Monday, you know, so um, there, yeah. yeah, I mean, that is required. You, you can't, you could not take that paperwork and shuffle no. it around here, there, and everywhere, make phone call. You couldn't, how could you, I mean, seriously, there's some, my mother doesn't ever touch the internet. She's never touched mm. a computer. She has conniptions when, <laughs> she has no idea what I do for a living. Mm. Um, and, I mean, basically, she has opted out of society. I mean, she mm. really has. There are so many things right. that she cannot do, um, and she has no comprehension of because she is, doesn't do the internet. Yeah. I mean, it's just you—you you are not a member of society if you—if you're not connected to the internet these days. Yeah, well, it, it amazes me that my in-laws, uh, my father-in-law, you know, he worked on computers before he retired, so he's pretty comfortable. Like, just a few years ago, we bought him a new laptop, and I mean, he doesn't do a lot. He checks his email. He—he's into classic cars, so he, you know, he things around that so he doesn't do a whole lot i actually wanted to get them a uh a roku so they could because they complain like i do there's shit on television you know there mm-hmm. isn't shit so i said get, let me get you a roku you can stream stuff no don't want to do that i said no it's really easy you could no don't want to do that so, 
So it's like that, you know, they 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 put their feet mm-hmm. in the digital pool, but they haven't yeah. weighed and, it in yet. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we're at the point about where we were about 40 years ago, at least in this part of the country, because, you know, now running water and sewer and everything, electricity is pretty much, you know, required. You know, 40 years ago um, and before that, um, even I remember growing up as a kid, there's a few people that didn't have running water in their house or whatever. Um, and, you know, they did fine. But, you know, like I say, moving forward, it's become one of those things that's kind of required. And I think that's kind of where we are with the Internet right now. Most people have it, but not everyone. Um, and, you know, it's becoming, like I say, I don't want to quite say a requirement. Well, for I school, will. it is a requirement. You know, well, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, for, but, you know, there are people that can get by without it, but. It does make like again. It's the same way with running water. You can get by without running water in a toilet in your house, but it makes life a lot easier if you do have it. I think that's where we're at with the internet right now. You don't have to have it, but boy, is it handy for certain things, online checking and all that other stuff. Jobs, yeah. <laughs> you know, Just I can't tell you how many home. job applications are online. Period. End of story. Mm-hmm. They will not take a paper application. No. Yeah. yeah. No. Well, I, I I just look at my job. I mean, I'm doing the same job I've been doing for years, but the fact now that I can do it sitting here at my desk uh, once or twice a week maybe or every other week or something like that, as opposed to making the uh, 90-mile round trip to the office, yep, that's pretty nice. I, I have to admit, you know, the uh, 35 feet I walk from the bedroom downstairs <laughs> here to my desk is a hell of a lot more pleasant than the 45-mile the drive and wanting to kill most of the people that I drive past on the way. Get the hell out of my way, you know. <laughs> I just, and yep. all, we, all we need to do now is figure out that telepresence uh, janitorial computer. And, yeah, I'll sit down here in my T-shirt and, you know, and burp, fart, and scratch and, and uh, be able to do work from home here. Just get so, a you know, really big awesome. Roomba. Come on. Yeah. Now, yeah. I, now I have this picture of Mike being like Sheldon on the Big Bang Theory with the telepresence, you know. The, <laughs> Speak into the microphone. Speak directly. Can you open the door for me, please? Can you please attach the broom to my to my robot? Oh, I think they'd tell me where to stick the broom, but (laughs) that goes into a conversation you and I were having a couple weeks ago about where the broom goes and where the wax goes. So Yeah, there you go. Oh, TMI. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, you don't want to go down that road. Well, folks, I think on that note, we've kind of eaten up most of your uh, a good bit of your evening, so I think uh, we'll kind of call it a call it a show at this point. And I do want to thank Julie so much. I hope you you've enjoyed being on the show this week, Julie. Absolutely. And Mark, get back here. <laughs> she doesn't want to have to do it again. Please, <laughs> I was going to say, save me from these people. <laughs> Well, Mark's used to our special kind of weirdness. It takes a certain person, and he's got that kind of weird, too. So, Yeah, uh, yeah. miss you, Mark. So, uh, and uh, so just in case people didn't hear you earlier in the show, Julie, why don't you tell them where they can find you? Well, I can be found on Twitter, although not as much as I used to, but that's turning around, too. Um, at Julie Keel, J-U-L-I-E-K-U-E-H-L. And links to the blogs, podcasts, my other websites can all be found at about.me slash Julie Keel. Michael, why don't you tell people if they can't remember you where they can find you? <laughs> well, let's see. You know, um, 
Well, I, I do this uh, 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 sci-fi tech talk with this uh, nomad uh, Harley riding chick and this uh, guy from Canada. So um, there is that. Yeah, another biker. Yeah, I'm, uh, I have a bike. It's a it's a Schwinn. But anyway, uh, not quite the same. But if you want to find out the the other stuff I do, um, you can go to um, I have an about dot me page at about dot me slash Mike McPeak. That's M C P E E K. E-E-K, let me get that so everybody hears it, and then I can be found on Twitter at DSC Chipman, so uh, that's me. That, that's him in a nutshell, yeah. or is he a nut? I don't know. We'll, we'll worry about the, Definitely. the jury's out. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> it's, uh, it's all the Guilty. votes. Yeah, the votes in. Life sentence. Oh. Uh, okay, I'll live with it. If you want to find out more about me, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, twitter.com forward slash B-I-G underscore I-N underscore V-A. And I'm keeping the underscores just because they piss Green Tree off. Um, <laughs> if you want to see links to some of the other stuff I do, you can go over to my about.me page at about.me forward slash Kevin Alder. If you want to know more about the show, go over to geekiestshowever.com and you can leave us a comment there. If you want to leave us a review on iTunes, always appreciate it. Folks, we want to thank you for tuning in and hope you enjoyed the show and hope you have a good week. And if you do nothing else between now and next week, don't forget to hug a geek. Hello and good evening. This is Gads for the MyMac podcast. And we know you have your pick of high-quality downloadable audio content and we appreciate that you choose ours. Quite right, old bean. This is Guy, and we're here to say that the My Mac podcast is the right choice to make. Intelligent, cultured, and downloaded by only the finest and most educated people. Indeed. In fact, we restrict our delightful missives to only those best suited... Guy, I can't go on with this. Who are we kidding? The MyMac Podcast is probably one of the most accessible shows about OS X and iOS there is. Gaz, we're trying to up our reputation here. Oh, shut it. Listen, folks, tired of tech podcasts that talk over your head and go on too long, taking themselves so seriously, you'd think they were the ones making the product? Then you should listen to the MyMac.com podcast. At least three good chuckles per segment. If my math is right, that's about ten laughs per show. Right. Because three times three is ten. Sometimes I really wonder about you, Guy. No need to wonder where to find the podcast. Just go to iTunes and search for my Mac. Subscribe and jump into the fun. You know, we're part of the Stoplight Network, and there are a lot of important people there. Well, we did say we hardly know anyone important. Though there was that time I was less than 30 feet away from the Waz, and I could have sworn we made eye contact. Most likely, he was having stomach cramps. That would explain why he was doubled over at the time. Check out the Stoplight Network and the MyMac.com podcast. Enjoy it over a copper. 